0: Hey, this is Erin and Melissa and we're trending Spokane a weekly podcast
1: all about the latest in the lilac city Finding out what is happening right now in Spokane can be overwhelming But not if you're an insider Join us as we shine light onto the latest happenings and chat about the future of our city Each episode will introduce you to people you want to know places you need to visit and local knowledge You can't live without we will help you get out and get involved Episodes are dropping soon and make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts now Stephanie Olson has served as a deputy prosecutor for Spokane County and the city of Spokane, as well as an assistant AG for Washington's Office of the Attorney General. She is experienced in the many facets of civil and criminal law, which is a great asset in understanding and collaborating with the legal community throughout Spokane County and the entire state of Washington. Additionally,
0: she's been privileged to serve as a judge pro tem in Spokane County District Court. Stephanie is a well-regarded and successful criminal trial attorney, civil attorney, negotiator, and collaborator. If elected, she would become the first female Spokane County prosecutor. And that is a huge
1: milestone. Yeah, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. This race has three female candidates vying for the position against incumbent Larry Haskell, and it has gotten a great deal of media attention in the recent weeks. We're excited to get to know the the woman behind the headlines and learn more about how you plan to impact this office through your work. Welcome to Trending Northwest. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: We are delighted to have you on the program and to get to share your record with our viewers and help them to get to know you a little bit better because everybody is getting these ballots in the mail right now for the primary. And I'm not sure that The general public is aware of how important this primary is becoming with so many different candidates. Now, we have four um, vying for just those final two spots. So the top two from these four candidates will have the opportunity to be on the ballot in November. Right. And you really need to do your research, friends. So this is an opportunity to get to know this candidate. So this is your opportunity to get to know a little bit more about Stephanie Olson, her campaign, and the work she's done here in Spokane. So could you please describe for the audience some things you've accomplished in your career and how you plan to impact justice through your work? Absolutely. I started. Well, I'm from Spokane. I grew up here. I grew up in Cheney. I grew up on
2: a farm where, um, you know, I weren't. I learned the the value of hard work and responsibility and perseverance. Um, my first job was uh, bucking bales with with my friend Jen, uh, who is still my friend. Um, amazingly enough, even after that job, I then worked. I worked at. Fast food, which I think makes people learn a lot about how to deal with others and to um, how to calm down a situation. I like people. I do like, I like dealing with people, and, but I also love helping our community. That's really why I grew up. My father uh, was a state trooper, and my brother is currently a homicide detective with the state patrol in Seattle. And we just grew up in a atmosphere that justice and truth is incredibly important and that serving our community is what we should do with our lives. And all of us have done that um, in some way or another, all of us, uh, all of my siblings. And so, um, so I went to Gonzaga University and after, during that time and then during law school, I ran a, we owned a business in Spokane, it was a nursery, greenhouse, floral shop. And we did that for about 12 years. So my kids were home um, with, uh, well, they were at the greenhouse running around with the customers. So they're very outgoing and, and goofy kids. They're wonderful. And uh, while running a business, I learned how to deal with personnel. I learned how to, to be an administrator, how to budget, um, how to how to just simply get things done, and how difficult it is for businesses in our community that are being struck with the high crime rates um, and what it does to the bottom line of a business. Um I then started, for, for about, for some time, I worked at the city prosecutor's office, and I worked on the restorative justice program. That was at the end of my law school time, and I've always had a few jobs. I've never been without a job, so I was working a few, but um, and at that point in time, we worked on getting people's licenses back so that they could get back into community, because ha- not having a license makes it, makes it very hard to make a living or to get to work or to do many things. So after law school, we continued with the business. Then I started at the... Uh, Spokane County Prosecutor's Office, and I was there for a little over a decade, where I worked in all the different units. Um, basically, I at one point in time for for uh, for a percentage of the time I was on a grant that I um, helped write, and but they basically said once I got the grant is you know pave your own path see what you do with this. So I was the Eastern Washington target zero prosecutor and I traveled across the state of Washington and taught other prosecutors and other, and law enforcement as well as um, I influenced judges um, on traffic safety cases. So that could be a vehicular homicide, a vehicular assault or a wise. Um, and, um, and then during that time, I realized that law enforcement was having a hard time with getting search warrants. Actually, I thought I there was a case that was not guilty that should have been guilty. <laughs> and um, I figured we needed to fix that. So what what happened is that the reason that they were having a hard time getting warrants is because it took hours to mm-hmm. get a warrant. <laughs> they would have to go back to the office. They'd write a warrant. Then they would have to find a judge at their home if it was at night. And usually this happened at night. So then oh, man get a signature, wake up a judge and um, get back to the scene. So then someone would have to sit with her with an offender or with at the scene waiting as well. So I first developed, I worked on an electronic warrant that helped them fill in the areas and, and I had it on a thumb drive and I had to give it out to all the, the law enforcement um, officers. And then I had to get it back every time there was a new law or something changed and. So I started working with the ISD um, for the county, and her and I developed and designed and implemented a electronic search warrant that is now still used. It was at the time there was only three in the entire country because I researched them all, and um, we developed this where law enforcement now so it works for the city, the county, as well as state patrol in this area, where they can actually write the warrant in their car. They, I worked on a on call for the judges, and so now. What they do is they call a judge and then they can send it by electronic, um, by email. It gets sent and it gets sent back to the officer. So it can be done in as little as 15 minutes. Mm. So it's beneficial to the, um, the offender, but also the, the witnesses and the victims mm. because the evidence is, is fresh and right then. So after that started working and I, um, also worked on and met with all the judges and, um, then started working with the detectives and we developed a broader warrant. So now they can use the electronic search warrant for homes, cars, persons, bags, whatever they need it for. And it is still in use. It is still one of the best. Um, During the time I was doing it, I won a a statewide award for innovation as well as I was flown across the country to
1: talk to other agencies and other States about how our warrant went together. Um, So, That's incredible. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment too, to get that all together. And you know how judges can be a little bit behind the times and wanting to sign that. So that's a major accomplishment.
2: It was a really great project that made a huge difference in with law enforcement as well as for victims and offenders. So
1: that's a cool thing to hang your hat on. Yeah. You know, you made a real impact. Yeah. 15 Mm -hmm. minutes. I mean, that's that really breaks it for somebody. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, and now I represent, um, the, Department of Children, Youth, and Families, um, and what we, protecting abused and neglected children. Oh, wow. So that's what I do every day is I work with, um, with children um, that have been, that we either are working towards reunification, which is always our goal, um, or just a safe place for these kids to be to grow up in. And
0: that's vital. I mean, kids that are in a circumstance where they're in trauma and they, they need an advocate, it's is such important work for our community. And I can imagine that weighs on you very heavily. And you get to see a lot of the impacts on families that the criminal justice system imposes. And that would probably inform the work that you plan to do as prosecutor.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And to that point, um, why did you choose to run for Spokane County Prosecutor?
2: because I want to make a change because that's, I worked there and I understand the workings of that office and I understand what needs to go on. And part of it is that I was really alarmed. Um, you know, I grew up here um, and the change in our criminal justice system and the alarming amount of, our crime
0: yeah here in our community it's been worse than it's been in a long time and i think the frustration for people and this is why it's so important to have a sheriff's office and a prosecutor that work well together and are partnering to try to improve safety that people are scared you know people are scared to go downtown they're afraid that if there's a property crime committed on their property they won't have anyone to answer the call and there won't be any follow-through so there have been a lot of concerns brought up by voters and i can imagine how much that would impact the way that you view the opportunity to make a difference.
2: Absolutely. And that's what's important is that our community is safer and that we're all safer so we can, you know, where we work, play and, um, and sleep basically so we can enjoy what we have Mm -hmm. in this beautiful community that this is. Um, we need to tackle the, um, the repeat offenders. It is a, it, we have a system that we have we have a system we have a, a wheel basically, but it needs to be more round. It needs to be have maybe a couple more spokes in it. We just need to fix what's what it is. I don't think we need to have a complete overhaul, but our repeat offenders um, we need to have a a smart intervention. Some people will not have that, and some people will need to be in jail, like truly, and that's. That's all we can do to keep our community safe. But there are also some people that are at a point in their lives when they, when they enter the criminal justice system, that that is a part where maybe they, an intervention, some opportunity for them as well as accountability could really fix that part of their life and maybe move, make them move towards different, um, a different lifestyle. Basically I've seen it happen and I know it can happen. Um, some people just need to be guided along the right path, but while we are still keeping our communities safe.
0: I really want to go shopping. Will you please go vintage shopping with me?
1: Where do you want to go vintage shopping, Erin?
0: Well, the best place in Monroe District to go vintage shopping, 1889.
1: Uh, Okay, if it's 1889, I'm definitely going to be there because they have a lot of cool stuff that even I'm into, and I'm not a huge vintage person. Yeah,
0: 1889 Salvage Co. is my favorite. This is one of the most diverse, incredible vintage stores in the entire region, and one of those reasons is because they give so much back to local charities and do a lot of really great work supporting the animal shelter and all kinds of other initiatives that make the city of Spokane a more wonderful place to live.
1: Absolutely. And I love the fact that there's like different sections in the store where it has different items so like there's a barware section and there's a clothing section and then every like what month it seems like they have new rotating displays too of all Mm -hmm. the different vintage items they're absolutely gorgeous
0: So if you want to stock your bar with the coolest barware that will get every one of your friends talking, or if you want to wear clothes that really make you stand out, you definitely want to check out 1889. And Gina, the owner, is such a sweetheart. She really cares about Spokane and gives back to so many
1: local charities. So be sure to check that out on 1889salvagecode.com so the special courts to keep people from becoming part of that revolving door that Aaron was just talking about how how have you seen special courts and would you like to expand those or would you like to add different special courts
2: so i've worked in all i've worked in all the courts i was part of starting the veterans court i worked in the um, the intensive supervision court i have worked in the mental health court i have also worked in the drug court And, um, you know what, they, they work, they work very well, as long as there's accountability, um, in those courts, I do think they should be expanded and it's not, and this is where the expansion actually needs to happen is that it is not necessarily the person who's, who's committing their first crimes that need to be in there. It's the people who are high risk, high need that need to be in these courts, because that is a point where they may be able to actually make that change. Um, and that hasn't been, hasn't been done. Um, the courts have been very limited, and especially now with the not having drug drug laws basically right this at this point in time, but you know, I'm gonna work on getting those things changed because I see from what I do on an everyday basis that you know ninety five percent of my cases are are drugs and parents who are on drugs and children who are born on drugs. so, you know, we really need to have something, there's some kind of intervention for, for that. But also the, there's a domestic violence court coming in and I think that's a great thing too. Um, it's a, it's a good expansion of what we, what we really need. The domestic violence is incredibly, incredibly high in this community and we, you know, we all hear about the horrible things that happen and it needs to stop too.
0: Yeah. In many cases, we experience them, too. It's really difficult. And I know that, you know, having sat in domestic violence court and not – I didn't sit in there because it doesn't exist yet – and having (laughs) (laughs) – and having had to sit at the same table as someone who I was seeking a protection order from was a really traumatic experience. You know, you're just – Within a couple of feet of the person who's harmed you, and you're really trying to get, um, you know, protection from someone in a way that will hopefully impact your life for the better. But there are so many ways that we can improve the criminal justice system and how you know the courts serve our community when there have been issues. So, what do you plan to do differently as county prosecutor compared to Larry Haskell, who's currently in that role?
2: Okay, one of the I think
0: one of the most important things that
2: are are. Our- Prosecutor's office needs is the trust of the community, and that is something I want to rebuild. Um, because at this point in time, it's hard for victims to come forward, and it changes um, a juror's decision as well when they don't trust our office. And for offenders, they also need to trust that they are going to have justice from the office. One of um, one of the ways I want to do it is I want to do a lot more outreach into the communities. Like we need to be involved in our communities. The prosecutors need to be involved in the communities. The prosecutors need to be out there going to meetings so that they understand the the communities that they're actually servicing and that we need to reach out to some of the the leaders in those communities. I, I believe that if we're in a juvenile justice system or we're working with a juvenile that I was – we were at Emanuel um, Life Center the other day and, you know, Pastor Benjamin would have more – Influence on a child from that community than jail would have on that child from that community. Like we need to, we need to be able to reach out, have the trust of those people, and trust in those people that we can all make decisions um, that are best to not continue to have this increasing crime.
1: So, where can voters find more information about you? I know we're in a pretty tight race. Uh, the deadline is coming up. So, if people want to learn more about you, where can they go to follow you?
2: Then go to my Facebook site which is Stephanie Olson for prosecutor, or they can go to Olson for Spokane as well. There's lots of information on there. I am the
0: second one down on the ballot. It's Olson, Stephanie Olson.
1: Also with, with an E. e. Yeah. With an E. Yes, with
0: an E. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on the program today. We are so grateful for your time because we know just how pressed for time you are these days. Sign weaving. And last night you guys did a debate. And, I mean, just night after night right now, because those primary ballots are already in your mailbox, definitely make sure you do the research and pick a candidate that best reflects your values. And we wish you all the best of luck. Thank you so much. This You're was welcome.
1: wonderful. Yeah. Thanks.